This is a podcast from WSUM. The opinions expressed in this podcast do not reflect the views of WSUM, the University of Wisconsin-Madison, or its Board of Regents. You're listening to the Jump Around Podcast from WSUM Sports. We welcome you to a very special edition of the Jump Around. I'm Chrissy Bertzel, a traffic director and sports broadcaster here at the station. And today joining me is Asher Lowe, former WSUM sports director and current Pepperdine sports announcer. Asher, how are you doing today? Chrissy, it's great to be back home in the WSUM studios, torn around, meeting Anthony, meeting you, seeing all the great things you guys are doing. It makes me happy. Yeah, coming down to town for a big weekend of Badgers sports, Iowa football going on, a couple of women's volleyball matches, soccer really getting into the full swing of things. So definitely a lot for you to see while you're down at Madison. Now, Sunday, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm trying to make a schedule. We got too many games. We got volleyball. We got women's soccer. We got, obviously the red and white scrimmage. I don't know where I'm going to go, but I came for the perfect weekend. Wisconsin-Iowa Saturday. Sunday, I have a plethora of options. It'll be a fun Badger sports weekend. It's good to be back. Middle of October is like the best time to go for any school, for any fall sports. Absolutely. I'm a basketball guy, so you know I, I can't quite agree with you on that, but I, but I see where you're coming from. In terms of the volume of sports, yes, it is, which is why I'm also happy I found a weekend at Pepperdine where we don't have a home event. Yeah. Outside of a water polo game on Sunday. Sorry, guys. And, that. I mean, you're technically still possibly going to get your basketball fix with the red and white scrimmage that's coming up for the men's team. So you got something there. No, I'm very excited to watch the men's team. We'll get into them <laughs> later, but excited to see the new guys, the freshmen, AJ Store. We'll get into it. Yeah, before we get into the football and men's basketball talk, I want to talk about you a little bit. You graduated in 2020, right in the heart of the pandemic. And what have you been up to since? Yeah, I gave you the image. It wasn't as dramatic maybe as I described it or tried to describe it, but it was pretty dramatic. Driving to the Big Ten tournament, got the Comrex in the backseat, got my fellow WSUM sports trainees and friends around me in the car, and we're halfway to Indianapolis, ready for a Wisconsin run. By the way, they had just gone on, if you remember that 2020 season, which I'm sure you do, oh, yeah. they had just gone on a ridiculous run oh, to yeah. win the Big Ten regular season title absurd run they got as hot as i've ever seen the wisconsin basketball team get we're going to indy we're thinking this team can not only make a run in indy make a run in march and then they cancel it and i go home like three days later so that was the way my college experience ended it did not start that way i had an amazing time at the station amazing time covering wisconsin sports and since then very grateful after a year or so of just trying to find anything during COVID, right? As a sports broadcaster, you know how tough of a time it was in 2020. We didn't have live games. Even into 2021, a lot of teams weren't back. Leagues weren't back yet. And even when they were back, no fans, right? So the first Pepperdine game I ever did, I was in a glass, I don't know if it was, maybe it was plastic, like a plastic box, almost like you're in jail or something, hidden wow. from the court, I was maybe three stories up, very top of Firestone Fieldhouse, which is our arena, which is not a big arena, so it's not like I was that far away from the court. But I was basically in this silicone glass cover, so I wouldn't infect anybody because I wasn't in their bubble. I wasn't traveling with the team. I wasn't testing with the team. And that was the first game I ever did. No fans, wearing a mask while I was in that little bubble. Oh, yeah. I had a mic trying to talk into a mic and be a PA announcer with a mask on. Not very fun, but people had it a lot harder than I did. I can't complain. And from there, just worked my way into Pepperdine, 
got a graduate assistant role and I've just loved working there. It's been an amazing experience. Malibu is gorgeous. You obviously, the first thing people say with Pepperdine is amazing campus, amazing campus. (laughs) It actually is an amazing campus. I'm not going to lie, but it's more than just a beautiful space, the Pacific Ocean down there, Zoe 101 University, as many people like to say. It's an amazing place to be. Super grateful for everybody there. I love my colleagues, love the teams there. And it's very, very different than Wisconsin. I don't think you could find, and I love both, but I don't think you could find two high-level, successful collegiate programs because Pepperdine is about as successful as it gets for small colleges. They've actually won two of the last three years. They've won, I think it's two of the last three, but won this small college kind of national championship for the most successful college of, I think the barometers like under 10,000 undergrads or something in terms of NCA success. And obviously you compare that to a Wisconsin where it doesn't really get much more bigger school feel than this, right? Right. So it's totally different. I love both. And it's given me a great holistic perspective about what college sports is like. And I love working here. Right. And you still maintain your connection between both of these in Malibu, California and Madison. I know you do some site editing for the Badgers Wire. And there's actually a lot of WSUM people that are there as well. So what's that like seeing all of these WSUM grads kind of all coming together for another medium? Yeah, it's WSUM.com basically (laughs) at Badgers Wire. We have a great time. We're allowed to write whatever we want. We get a lot of freedom in terms of the opinions we can give out about the team. So we give opinions, especially on game day. You know, we'll we'll be brutal with some of the takeaway articles. We'll be uh, telling it like it is. My friend Ben Kenny does that very well. He's a Philly guy, so you know how that goes. The Philly guys tell it like it is, always do on sports radio or with the written word. So we have a lot of fun. We've had, yeah, three former sports directors work there. Wade Flavian, shout out Wade. Yep. Nick Bruzewitz, who you know I think trained you, right, yep. here at the station probably in this very room that we're recording this podcast in right now. So we have a lot of fun, and I'm excited to cover a game in person. I mean, it's been since 2021, uh, since I left, actually probably since 2020, that Rose Bowl season. In fact, the Rose Bowl might actually be the last Wisconsin game I covered in person of Wisconsin football, that Wisconsin-Oregon Rose Bowl game. It was a terrible call in that game we won't get into in the fourth quarter. That was a depressing post-game show. I hope it's a less depressing post-game show tomorrow on WSUM when Wisconsin plays Iowa. Yeah, let's talk about football a little bit because there's been a few changes since you've left in 2020. I mean, obviously, most notably, new head coach, new OC, new DC, new quarterback and Tanner Mordecai and about a billion transfers that I can think of between 2020 and 2023. So halfway through this season, heading into this Iowa game on Saturday – I mean, this is really the halfway point of the season. And, I mean, what what is your grade of this team so far this season? If I were to give – I'm going to actually do something sports radio people never do. I'm going to answer your question, and then I'll go <laughs> into the tangent. A B-plus is probably wow. my grade right now. I think that coming into the year, first of all, I expected them to lose at Washington State. And that said to me more about Washington State than it did about Wisconsin coming into the year. That is a fantastic team in Pullman. They fell short in Westwood, not in Westwood actually, that stadium is in Pasadena, but we won't get into UCLA geography right now. Outside of that first half and a couple questionable moments in non-conference, they've looked really, really solid to me. And you can see the differences from a year ago, from two years ago, obviously in the style right away. If you're watching this team play and the amount of no huddle snaps you see taken, you wouldn't see one watching a Paul Chris team, right? That doesn't mean success or lack thereof, it just different style, different way to play. And the speed has helped, I think, the offense a lot in terms of just playing faster and moving faster. There's no... Do you remember how many times late in a first half or in a game, Graham Mertz... Let's let's say there's three minutes left, Wisconsin doesn't have a timeout. 
We're down by seven. I'll put you. Yeah, I used <laughs> Wii. We're not. Yeah, we're, we're allowed to use Wii. W. Wii. I don't care. I ha- I hated that rule when I was here, and I don't agree with that rule. Anyway, <laughs> bad bad Big J guy. I'm not a Big J guy. So we would have three minutes left in the game. Graham Mertz would have first and ten from the Wisconsin 25 down seven. You probably need a little urgency. How many times would you see a say a five yard run or a five yard pass to start that? Then he'd run over to the sideline. He'd literally go all the way from the huddle to the sideline, stand at the sideline for about 30 seconds, trying to get a play call like he didn't know the offense or the playbook, wait there. And I don't think this was on him. I'm not blaming yeah. him for this, but he would stand there for 30 seconds, waste valuable time, run all the way back to the huddle, Barely get a snap off and it'd be a run for like three yards. Then we do it all over again, and you'd get about ten plays in three minutes, and that's it. Which sometimes worked. Game over. And, and sometimes that worked in certain situations. It works well with a lead when you're up seven. It I works well. The I think it was the Las Vegas Bowl two years ago when they just ran out the clock. In when the it's final. an eleven minute drive yeah. like the Las Vegas Bowl, <laughs> I think we can get away with it sometimes. And you're playing Arizona State, not exactly a vaunted defense under Herm Edwards. Yep. But it was rough sometimes to watch. It was really rough. It looked like there was no communication, and it it was tough to watch because there were so many good parts of that team. There were so many good pieces that Wisconsin had, so many great things about the way Paul Chris coached, the way he led people. You saw the reaction when Paul Chris was fired. This was not a joyous day in the football program. It was not a happy thing for all these kids that he recruited. They loved Paul Chris for good reason. He's an amazing man, a great football coach. I really believe that. I just think he was... Wrong place, wrong time for what Wisconsin needed to develop into. And I'm really happy that – I'm happy with the start. I'm happy with the start I am. And so, long way to go. But I think Big Ten West title is firmly in the sights of this Wisconsin team. And they're firmly in the driver's seat for it. Yeah, and I think this game against Iowa this weekend really was touted as the game for the Big Ten West. I mean, what Iowa had the expectations coming into this year with Kay McNamara, obviously he's down for the season. So Deacon Hill, somebody that you know a little bit, coming into the helm of that Hawkeye offense. And let's do a little bit of a scouting report here on Iowa about what you think about this team and where this game could go on Saturday. Yeah, so Deacon and I have done probably – 10 podcasts together when I was at Locked On. I love Deacon. He's an awesome, awesome dude. I haven't talked to him in about a year because obviously he transferred and is doing his thing over at Iowa and gets the chance now to start for a Big Ten team, which is I think was that was always his goal coming here. So I'm really happy that he gets to achieve that goal just for him, his family. He's a great guy. And he had a weird high school experience because his COVID thing in California was very different than COVID in other states. His season was shut down completely. He couldn't play football for about a year and a half. He didn't have reps. And he's still catching up in terms of those reps. You see it with his accuracy. But there are some intangible things about him you can't teach. 6'5", 260, great athlete for his size, moves pretty well for his size. Arm is out of this world in terms of just pure ability and strength. He could throw a football farther than... If you lined up every single D1 quarterback, I'd probably put him in the top five in terms of... You're asking him, how far can you throw a football? I would take Deacon Hill in the top 5 to 10 of any quarterback in D1. Unfortunately, that's not how games are won or lost. It's not how far you can throw a football. It's how well you can throw a football. And there are things he has to catch up on, accuracy and timing and reads that he just hasn't had the reps to do. And so I think it's great for him long term that he gets the chance to come out and just get game reps because practice reps are not game reps. They're totally different. No matter how much you simulate, no matter how good the defense you're playing is in practice, how many reps you get with the ones, it's not the same thing. Now, the rest of the Iowa story 
is not helping him, right? Kirk Ferentz, Brian Ferentz, we can get into the whole father-son relationship, but you don't have to go very far on Iowa Twitter to realize what they feel about Brian Ferentz and what they think about the future of the Iowa Hawkeyes offense. Just go read some Iowa football opinions. I won't give you mine. You don't need to hear it. Go read it from them. It's been bad. Oh, yeah. Rhodes with 325 has definitely been the big storyline of the Hawkeyes. But, I mean, in terms of this matchup between Wisconsin, where do you see this Wisconsin team? Because offensively, they definitely have been in a state of progress, but defensively has been a lot different compared to last year. I miss Jim Leonard. <laughs> I miss the 3-4. Th- the, the I mean, I loved watching the linebackers do what they did sideline to sideline when Jim Leonard was here. Obviously, talent's a part of that. When you get names like, in recent years even, Zach Bond, Chris Orr, there are so many dudes that have come through here. Leo Chanel, I mean, I don't know how many names, Jack Sanborn, I can literally go on and on. These are guys that are, you know, putting together great NFL careers already. And when you lose that talent, that's a part of it, right? But you also lose Jim Leonard, who was the perfect Wisconsin defensive coordinator. You literally could not have scripted somebody better for that job. Wisconsin through and through ran a system that I loved to watch that put the trust in his linebackers and they delivered for him time in, time and time again. So brand new things take time. I'm not going to be sports radio on you and after two bad games or a bad half even. Did you see Wisconsin football Twitter at halftime of that Washington State game? Yeah, I did. That was, that was rough. Yeah. That happens. And I, I understand fans and the fan experience, and you're, you're allowed to be angry. It's okay. I get it. But the defense is going to take some time. Will it ever get to where Jim Leonard was? I don't know. I don't know if it ever will. But I can tell you that I am very excited about the offense. Ricardo Hallman, though, what a massive play that was to read that goal line throw, take it back 95 yards. He was also mic'd up on Wisconsin's Twitter this week at practice. He's a hilarious dude. So go watch that mic'd up if you haven't seen it on the Wisconsin football Twitter. The secondary is playing a little better. I want to say, but there just hasn't been the pressure in the backfield to me uh, from that defensive line that has to be asked to do more with a different system because we didn't see sacks come from the D-line in the 3-4, and that was by design. We saw it really come from linebackers getting in the backfield. It's it's not quite the same. It doesn't feel the same. You don't get the same feeling watching this defense play in terms of that all-knowing they're going to be top 10, top 20 in the country. They're not going to be the reason we lose this game. I don't know about you. I don't get that feeling anymore. No, it's an adjustment to think about. I think that Jim Leonard had done such a great job building that team over the last few years, and Mike Trestle is doing a good job so far, but it's going to take time for these players to really get comfortable in this new system. And you mentioned Ricardo Hallman. He was one of those players that, even back going to the launch, had a really great performance. He want to say he had three picks against Mordecai. So he's one of those guys that I really liked. Was there anybody that you've seen, at least through the first half of the season, that you think has had really good breakout performances? You know, honestly, I'm going to go to Mr. Vakos in the kicking game. We needed, we needed a kicker so badly, and this guy is automatic. He's completely automatic. And Wisconsin has not had that level of safety in special teams in general. There was always this storyline about Wisconsin football teams. I'm talking about the Packers and Wisconsin, like the state where they just could not play special teams. It just wasn't a thing in this state. There were never good special teams here. It was always a disaster. You give up a punt return touchdown. I remember the Notre Dame game was a disaster on special teams, but there's been so many examples. Missed field goals here, missed field goals there. Since Gagliannoni, and even he missed a couple big field goals, the BYU game, which was the darkest day of my time here as a Wisconsin football fan and student. That was a terrible day to be in Madison, that loss at home. That was on a, it wasn't because of this, but it ended with a missed field goal. Right. It feels really nice to have a kicker where I'm like, inside of 50, he's not going to miss. 
And how many times do you see a five-star kicker come in and just is electric? I mean, he transferred from Ohio. Ohio, yeah. And just has came out and done his thing and has done a really great job doing it. But, I mean, this team had so many expectations coming in first half of the season. You said that you predicted them losing to Washington State. I also had them predicted in losing. There we go. But how do you see the vision? I think Washington State had a really – I think they had all the pieces. I think that they're building a really good program there. They have Nakia Watson, former Badgers running back. Cam Ward has definitely taken a leap up. I was a little worried about how they would be in the trenches, but it seems like they've proved pretty well in there. So, I mean, as long as that team is successful, it makes our loss look better. She's are there too. So Sorry about UCLA (laughs) taking them down. Yeah, but second half of the season, obviously Wisconsin at one loss. I don't think a lot of people had them predicted at one loss at this point in the season. Where do you see them for the rest of the season? I mean, obviously Big Ten West is one of the main goals this year, but where do you see them ending up maybe in a bowl game or rankings-wise? If the goal is to get to Indy, Big Ten title game, the schedule is real sweet. It's real sweet. I mean, they're going to lose to Ohio State. I really don't see them winning that game. I think it could be closer than it's been in past years. That's not saying much. Did you watch the last two, three Ohio State games? Yep. Last. Oh, my gosh, last year. Let's not think about that. Yeah. The, first ha- <laughs> the first half in 2019, being at that game, the first half of that Big Ten title game was – I've never seen Wisconsin's reporters, because you're obviously walking around at halftime, right? And you know how it is covering a game. You see all the great names we have here covering these teams. Jim Polzine's walking around. My friend Jake Kukorowski's walking around. Jeff Patrikas. They looked like they were in shock, like they'd just seen a ghost at that first half. 21-7 to lead at halftime, and then obviously order was restored. So I don't know why I'm going down that rabbit hole. But they're, they're not going to beat Ohio State. That was the closest they can really ever come, I think for a while at least, the next few years at least. So I'm happy. I mean, I, I'm happy because I think the goal coming in for me, I don't know what it was for you or all the fans out there, but for me it was getting to the Big Ten title game and having a chance to win that game, not going into that game the way I've gone into other Big Ten title games here and been like, which 2019 was an example where I never thought we had a chance going into that game. I think Ohio State was minus 16, 17 in that game. Obviously, turned out to go a little differently than I expected, at least for a half, and then Chris Orr got injured. If he never gets injured, we win the... No, okay, I'm not going to go there. <laughs> but the schedule's sweet. They'll get to Indy. Obviously, that would require a win, I think, on Saturday. I think they will win on Saturday. That's the Iowa game I'm talking about. We're recording this on a Friday, so... I think the schedule's set up perfectly. They'll get to Indy. It'll be interesting who they play in Indy. I don't know. I can't really say yet who I think the best matchup would be between Michigan, Penn State, Ohio State. I actually think Penn State's the most dangerous team of those three when I they're agree. playing the best that I've seen. But their schedule's not so sweet. They go to Ohio State on the road. They do get Michigan at home. It, it's a it's a fun year for the Big Ten East because I think all three of those teams are closer to each other than they have been in a while. Usually there's one where you're like, nah, they're clearly better. Or at least there's two that are better than the third. I think all three are kind of in the same boat. And if you look at that schedule, the Big Ten East schedule, Penn State goes to Ohio State, but Ohio State goes to Michigan, but Michigan goes to Penn State. So you got that rotating door of road games, and I think it'll be an interesting thing to see how that 
side plays out. But I do think Wisconsin is standing in Indy on December 2nd, and I hope to see you there. I'm going to try to get some tickets and go. I hope to see you there on December 2nd. It's definitely something that we are hoping for and definitely looking forward to. But even like bowl games and rankings-wise, obviously Wisconsin knocked out of the top 25 after the loss to Wazoo, but have slowly started climbing their way back. They're receiving votes. I want to say they're like the third or the fourth team on the bubble. Do you see them jumping back in the top 25 at some point this season, maybe within the top 10, 15, 20? Maybe at the very end of the year, because I think you take that second loss to Ohio State, it just kind of bumps you back down a little bit. But honestly... I don't care. I don't like rankings. But I do like playing in Indy for the Big Ten Championship, and I do think they will be playing in Indy as pretty significant underdogs, no matter who they're playing of those three. They will be playing in Indy, say, as touchdown underdogs, maybe even more, in the Big Ten Championship game. And you never know. One game, 60 minutes of football, you don't know. Anything can happen in that game. And as a team that has been slowly building and adjusting, they should be playing their best football in December, I believe. I totally agree with that, and I think that's something that's different than other Wisconsin teams we've seen. I think we're going to see from Game 1, which was not a pretty win over Buffalo at all. That's not a very good Buffalo team, as we've now come to find out, and that was not a pretty win. I think we're going to see a bigger difference from Week 1, where they were, to that December 2nd game than we've seen from other Big Ten Championship appearing teams at Wisconsin, just because of what you mentioned. Different coordinators, different quarterback, different system, different vibe, different energy— Everything's changing, and that takes a while to catch up to. Absolutely. The road to Indy, definitely going to be starting tomorrow. Wisconsin versus Iowa. We'll be keeping an eye on that. I'm rooting for you, Deacon. I really am. We'll have to see if this podcast gets posted before or after that game. So we could be eating our words here, or we could be celebrating and how correct we are. But I want to move on to a sport that we kind of mentioned earlier that they have the red and white scrimmage coming up, and season's going to be getting underway in a few weeks. Badgers men's basketball. Mm-hmm. Oh, I've had some controversial takes on this team over the last few years. We won't go into them, but go ahead. Yeah, I want to just start off with this team. Last year, finishing in the semifinals of the NIT, losing to North Texas, who ended up going on and competing in that championship. But this year, basically all of their starters are back. You get A.J. Store. You get a couple of really good freshmen in there as well. Big Ten, though, is a very tough conference, Mm. as it's been the last few years. But this year, I think especially – We'll start off with a way too early Big Ten standing prediction. Where Wisconsin finishes? Yes. Mm, Man. I think Purdue wins it. I'm pretty comfortable with that, at least regular season. And if they don't, something really goes wrong or there's a big injury because that team is really good. And Zach Eady's awesome. I don't want to hear Badger fans hating on Zach Eady. He travels all the time. I don't want to hear that. He's awesome. He's gotten so much better, too, over the last few years. I love his growth and... I think he's going to have a wooden award type year again. I think probably third or fourth. That's my gut. This team's a tournament team. And if they're not something, like I just said about Purdue, something really went wrong. That's Wisconsin I'm talking about right now. A tournament team, without a doubt in my mind. And it's sad that in your time here, you've not really seen the real NCAA tournament runs. In my time here, I did not see the real NCAA tournament runs. We have not had a great... You had the moment, you know, the... Or did you? The bank shot? Were you, you were here for that. Yeah. Chucky Hepburn, yeah, you were here for that. So Stormed the court. I didn't get that. Big Cat was here. Purdue went down. Chucky Hepburn went off glass. The bank was open late. That was a, that was a fun night, but it was not an NCAA tournament win. Nope. And NCAA tournament wins, getting to the second weekend, which, oh, by the way, I'm praying this happens, and I hope I will see you in Los Angeles. I'll tell you why. Because Pepperdine, where I work right now, we will be the host school for the Sweet 16 and the Elite Eight this year in the West Regional, 
And Wisconsin usually ends up in the West Regional right. if they're not like a one seed and then they get home field advantage is usually how it works in the NCAA tournament. Usually they end up in the West. And if they end up in the West and get to the Sweet 16, we will be hosting Wisconsin basketball in the Sweet 16. So I'm praying that happens. I think they're good enough to do it. I really do. What's the vibe right now about this team? I think there's a lot I think there's a lot of expectations with them. Similar to how football came in this year with a huge expectations. A lot of people because all of their players are coming back and they had a decent season last year, if they went one or two rounds to wins in that Big 10 tournament, they would have been NCAA team. And I think a lot of people think that way. So I think a lot of people are expecting them to do really well this season. I know media for Big Ten had them at fifth, and Lenardi already has his first bracketology out, has him as a seven seed. I don't remember what region. It's a little low, but I, I can see that. I think four to eight makes a lot of sense. Anywhere in there, and I don't think it was a total failure of a year. Yeah, and I think that they are they have the capability of doing it. It's just who's going to step up. Last year, Connor Siegen played really well in the first half of the season. And then the second half, you know, it was kind of a mix of different people coming out at different times. So I want to turn this question over to you. Who, what players are you really looking to see that are going to make those big step ups this year? Max Klesman. You have to have some consistency with him because defensively, he's phenomenal. He's the best off ball chaser on this team. I think he's the best off ball defender as a guard on this team. He chases your best shooter, he chases your best player relentlessly watch him off ball it's, it's it's awesome to watch offensively he was just it was hit or miss for me I don't think he quite knew who he was was he a standstill shooter not really is he a driver not really there's not like one skill he has for example Connor Asijan he's the best shooter on the team right AJ Storr best leaper on the team best vertical threat Tyler Wall best post-up threat on the team Steven Crowell best pick and pop guy best screener I don't know what Max Klesmet's separating skill is offensively I don't still don't know what it is but I hope he finds himself within this Wisconsin offense because when he did last year, this team looked a lot different, and he found it a little bit late. You mentioned a few guys stepped up. He was one of them I thought really stepped up late in the year last year, had some big offensive performances, and I think I'm looking at him offensively. Defensively, I think it's got to be Stephen Crowell because there's just so many great bigs in this league, and he's not the world's best defender, rim protector, and Wisconsin doesn't have a lot of depth there. That's something I think that's really different. There's no Chris Vote, right, to come in and just eat up some minutes. They were looking, they were really looking hard. I don't remember this. These stories were out there and this was pretty public, but they were looking hard for a backup big in the transfer portal. They didn't really find one. This team has some depth, but they don't have depth on the front line. He has to stay out of foul, right? Two fouls for Stephen Crowell. I don't know how this team's winning a game against a good Big Ten team if he picks up two fouls within the first 10 minutes of a game. Absolutely. And if that happens, they kind of have to turn to some of those freshmen, some of those freshmen brings that they brought in. So I kind of want to hear your opinion about some of these freshmen that they brought in, Nolan Winter, Gus Yaldin, just to name a few. Where do you see them coming into this team? Yeah, so I watched Gus Yaldin at EYBL. I watched him on, uh, on the EYBL stage for two years. I love his game. His game is so fun to watch. First of all, just fun, right? Baby Jokic is a little... Steep. That's, that's putting a little pressure on the kid. He's yep. still a kid. He's lost like 40 pounds. I don't know if you saw that. There were some reports about that. The no milk diet <laughs> that Wisconsin's doing. I don't support that, by the way. Drink your milk. I love milk. This is a great state to have milk in as well. Tough place to go without chocolate milk is the state of Wisconsin. Let me tell you, Babcock Dairy. Oh, boy, I miss it. I'm actually going to get some after we record. I'm hungry. Anyway, <laughs> Gus Yaldin cut out the milk and got a little slimmer and can play probably the four. A little bit more versatile defensively with that. Slim down, 
body type, but I love his offensive game. I think he's an underrated passer. I think he his spin move is a little bit predictable, but it's a great spin move. I haven't seen a lot of counters to it, but when he hits that spin, it's, it's pretty, and his feet are awesome for his size, and I really am excited to watch him play basketball. I think he fits so well into what Wisconsin wants to do. I'm also excited to see how fast this team plays. There's been some talk that they'll play even faster than they did last year, which last year was a massive jump up. I think off the top of my head, I don't have notes in front of me, but I want to say three years ago this team was in the 300s in pace nationally. Last year they were somewhere like 140, 150. So middle of the pack, which middle of the pack pace for Wisconsin might as well be that might as well be the 1994 Denver Nuggets. I mean, I, I don't know. That's, that's a fast, fast team. 1984 Denver Nuggets, what I meant to say. Um, but... NBA history. We get lost. Anyway, the freshmen are fun. Gus is the most exciting one to me. Max Klesman has to step up offensively. AJ Store, I think, is going to be awesome for this team. They just don't have anything like that. They don't have a leaper like that. They don't have a lob threat like that. And he can create at all three levels. I don't know how many creators they really have. And that's been an issue for Wisconsin basketball for as long as I can remember since they went to the Final Four. That's been an issue. What was funny about the Final Four team is, I don't know if you've seen quotes about this, but Decker would always say, we didn't play offense because they knew each other so well, and they would just it was all movement and flow and obviously the swing, so a lot of guard post-ups, but they would just flow so well. It was poetry in motion, and you have to have creators and guys that can beat a guy off the dribble to do that, and they had a few of those, but they also had a lot of post-threats, and so we'll see how this team plays. They're going to look a lot different than a successful team of 2014-2015. I don't think the ceiling is that, but I think the ceiling of this team, to me, tell me if you agree, makes me as excited as any team they've had since those teams. I think so. I think uh, I go back to like two years ago when they were the three seed in the NCAA tournament, had the huge expectations and make it past the first weekend. But I think that they are a team that could easily go to the second weekend. I mean, obviously, NCAA tournament, anything can happen, but I think that that is a very it's – a, it's a goal for them. I think that's something that they could easily achieve. But also there's a lot of unknowns about this team. I mean, even thinking about the starting five, who do you think is going to be the starting five? It's a great question. I think that's a great problem to have. It's a great question to ask because it tells you the depth and the level of talent this team has and the new guys being brought in. If I were to guess top of my head, right, we're probably going, mm -hmm. I think it's got to be Connor starting, right? That's what I You have to start him. I wouldn't think so. But. You have to. Maybe. I, I love him as a sixth man if he closes. I mean, I don't really mind, but I think he's probably just a little too good. You have to just throw him out there. The platoon thing with Potter and, oh my God, Reaver. Remember that? The platoon thing they were doing with the starting, not starting Potter, and the starting Potter, that was a whole mess. This year, I think it's probably Chucky, Connor, Max. I think all three will start. What do you think? Okay. You think all three will start? It's, it's small, but I yeah. think, I don't know which guy you take out of that starting lineup. And then you go pretty... Mm, because AJ, I think AJ should start. Right. I don't know. I don't know. There's there's six. There's really six. You know, honestly, starters. honestly, I think you. This is my opinion. I don't, I don't think this is going to happen. To me, you probably close with Connor for sure, but you don't start him. I think he's the best option of those guys to come in after watching the game for a bit and provide some needed offense off the bench. So to me, you probably have to go with Chucky, Max, AJ, Wall, Crowell. Yeah, I think that. Asijan, because last year he was able to come off the bench, and that's really how he got his name known, was he came off the bench during that that tournament in um, Atlantis. 
played a really great game and kind of really put himself on the map. Eventually ended up becoming a consistent starter. I I just don't see, it's hard to see, like, which one of those guys is going to be on the bench. Because you know Wall and Kral are going to be the two bigs. 100%. They have to start. It's probably going to be AJ, but I think AJ as a starter makes a little more sense to me than Connor as a starter. Right. Not to say Connor won't play more than AJ, because I think people get really lost in that. Who's starting? Who's starting? I don't care who's starting. I care who's closing, right? These close games. And I think Connor almost always should close. Yeah, and there's a lot to see. I mean, this red and white scrimmage, I think, is going to be very telling. True, we'll see who the ones are, right? Who's going to be the ones? You get to see who the ones are. So I'm excited to see that on Sunday. I'm going to definitely go to the Kohl Center and live in in the past a little bit this weekend. A lot to look forward to between football, basketball, and all of the Badger sports going on. Is there anything you want to shout out or finish off with here? I just love the station. I'm so happy what you, Anthony, so many people here are doing. Love WSUM. Always so fun to be back. And I'm excited to listen to your guys' call on Saturday. Maybe hop on the pregame show or something and mess around a little bit. We'll see. And, yeah, keep keep doing what you're doing. Thank you so much, Asher, for coming down here. And that is all we have for the jump around today. So thank you so much for tuning in, and we'll see you next time. Thanks to David Giardino and Isabel Kramer for contributing the music for this podcast.